0: Hello everybody and hello everyone. Welcome Podbods to the Thinking Drinkers podcast where normally we offer you two delicious drinks to enjoy this week and give you a damn good reason to do so. But this week is very different and I'm going to hand over to Thomas Sander, my fellow Thinking Drinker, to explain why.
1: Well, let me tell you, Pod Pods, why, because this week we're talking to Adrian Charles, the legendary broadcaster who's written a new book called The Good Drinker, How I Learned to Love Drinking Less. And the book is all about how he's managed to moderate his drinking, not give up. Uh, he discovered that he was drinking more than he probably should, and he decided to try and cut down. So he's got loads of tips in this book about how to moderate your drinking, which might be useful to some listeners if we're going into... A festive spell where there's going to be a few drinks around. Not su- suggesting that you necessarily need to, but it was enlightening, wasn't it, Ben, to get some of the views from Adrian uh, and just just work out why maybe you you might want to cut down a bit.
0: Yeah, it's all about decluttering your drinking, and also it's it's very much in tune with what our message, our motto, our mantra has been for for decades, really, which is drink less, drink better. And he's a lovely fella. He's a great. It's a great chat. And we hope you enjoy it. So here you go, Adrian Chiles.
1: Hello, Adrian. Thank you for joining us. And first thing to say is, we loved your book. Uh, an excellent book that was I bet you good. say
2: that to all the boys. Well, we
1: do, yeah. we do. We say it mostly to ourselves when we've written our own books. Um, yeah. But uh, we, it was it was something that's pretty close to both of our hearts because it's our, our motto and our mantra for the last uh, 15 years as thinking drinkers has been drink less, drink better. And we've been yeah. sort of tasting drinks with people. And we have seen attitudes change a little bit, um, but this still feels like there's, there's work to be done personally yeah. and as a nation um but but your book really, for that reason, I think resonated with us quite quite severely yes, and I suppose for people who haven't haven't read
0: it yet um what inspired you to write it because it, it's a, it's an advocation of of moderation uh in drinking um and what led you well, what, how, how did you come up come to this this point well, i mean it's, I'm
2: trying not to use the cliche journey, but yeah it it sort of has been, i've been burning as I go along, and even having done a documentary about it called Drinkers Like Me, and then spent years really writing a book, writing this book, A Good Drinker, and then even now, in the aftermath of writing that book, talking about it with people like you, new new thoughts and new ideas sort of come to me. But the original, the, the germ of it was, I just thought, well, you know, I I had I, I was drinking with impunity. You know, most days of the week, I, I'd hardly ever not drink something. And and I just I was just thinking to what extent. You know, I, I couldn't imagine life without alcohol. I couldn't imagine a night out without alcohol. I couldn't imagine going to the football without alcohol. You know, if if I was about to go to a party with a hundred of my dearest friends. And there was no drink involved, I wouldn't be much enjoying it, especially if everyone else was drinking. And I thought, well, how can I say all that and be like that and yet think I haven't got a dependence on alcohol of mm. some description? You know, which I in fact had. So it was that, it was, it was in the beginning, it was persuading a television commissioner that we were the important category of drinkers, not the ones, not the kind of drinkers. About who most television programs, etc., are made, which is high drama, blue mm. lights, hospital beds, advanced liver disease, or yeah. horrendous though that is, mm. you know, they are in the mercifully they are in the minority, and you know, I soon discovered that it was drinkers like me, as a whole, who 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 present. Who present doctors with most of their problems mm. because there's more of us drinking like
1: me. Um, i just just before we go on the, the 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 book is evidence that you've managed to moderate and that's how you've uh, everyone I've spoken to and said oh we're going to we're going to interview Adrian Charles on the podcast. They've all said oh he's given up drink, um, and yeah. that seems to be the universal. It's, it's
2: incredible. Um, it's incredible. I mean, just on that. People need to see things in black and white, particularly mm. with alcohol. and I think this comes from this you know what I've learned you know it, um, is called the disease model mm. of something called alcoholism, which increasingly I find out in clinicians' terms doesn't exist. there's no such thing as alcoholism anymore there's such a thing as, as smoke of smokerism no or alcoholism. You know, it's it's not it's not an expression clinicians use, precisely because it's not a black and white thing. You know, you are you know, you, 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 there's this idea which is really deeply held. You know, through the work of AA, who do some amazing stuff. Don't get me wrong, hmm. but this idea that you're either an alcoholic or you're not, you've either got this disease or you haven't. Hmm. And it's just—it was too easy for people like me, drinkers like me, to say, "Well, I haven't got this disease," you know, because I didn't, you know, I didn't end up in hospital, I didn't sleep on park benches, I wasn't drinking sherry in the morning, or conforming to any of the other cartoon stereotypes of the alcoholic inverted commas. So that's what I was railing against. But you're right, people—you know, it's just—you know, people can only... You know, people, people steal me a drink in your hand, I said, oh, back on the drink now. <laughs> That's just, That's what I, mean. I never said yes. that, yeah.
0: But, yeah. but I think yeah. that, that caricature of, of of an alcoholic is is a safety net, I think, for for people who do drink too much, but manage to get through life perfectly fine. The functioning one one of the things I found striking about the book, it resonated with me a lot, is is the fact that uh, the units issue, um, mm-hmm. and and uh, the, the 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 fact that um, I count I sort of count my units, but even if I go above the unit, I have a safety net in the back of my mind that says, "Well, yeah, but you you're still doing okay. You you know you haven't done anything wrong. You haven't you know pissed anyone off last night or any, done yeah. anything like that. So you must be all right." Um, but when there's the 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 the, the thing that really shocked me in the book was that there's a, f- uh, a statistic, pretty much solid statistic, that 70% of the population do drink 14 units or less, which is the recommended... Yeah, well, it's,
2: it's, it's probably a bit it's less. More than that. No, it's yes. 70% of all drinkers. Of all
0: drinkers. So you're not even yeah. including kids on that?
2: Damn, I was hoping well, were. People, you were. You're not including people who abstain for whatever reason, um, mm-hmm. you know, because they consider themselves... Maybe recovering alcoholics, or you know they don't drink for religious reasons, or you know they just don't drink. Mm. I, you know, and I mean that's, I mean that that was, I mean I didn't find that out too long after I did the program. I realised I'd just been looking at the thing through the wrong end of the telescope. In <laughs> that, totally, yeah. it most you know we the, the the biggest lie that big drinkers like me, you know, although I drink a lot less now, but I'm still sort of in my bones, I'm a big drinker. The big lie we told ourselves, well, everybody drinks this one. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody, everybody drinks like this. What what, what is this 14 units a week nonsense? Mm. Everybody drinks that much. Ask any drinker, ask any big drinker, what percentage of drinkers drink 14 units or less? They'll tell you none or sort of 5%. But as you say... It's seventy percent. It's definitely more than half. You know, so we are the outlier. We're the freaks. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, well, I would to say freaks exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, we are lying. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we are in the. We, yeah. You know, we are in the. We are in the minority. So, and that, that's fine. But you know, let's not lie to ourselves. Let's remember that we are in the minority. And like, you can say if you want, if you can dis- choose to disbelieve. The, uh, the research and say this 14 units limit is a nonsense, then fine, if <laughs> you want to do that. But I mean, you know, don't tell me, don't tell me that, you know, that most people do drink like you because they don't. No,
1: well, that's just to give that some con- context then, because uh, you talk about this in the book, but for people listening, how, what were your units? What had you sort of got up to as a, a weekly amount and, and what have you managed to reduce
2: to? Well, you know, I realised... I mean, you know, the advice is always to count your units. Doctors ask you, how much do you drink? And you make something up because you've never counted them. You've told yourself, oh, too complicated. I don't know what it is. What is this unit anyway? Which is balls as well because it's not that flipping complicated. Hmm. So I'd never done it until the day after we started filming for the documentary where the, the on the Saturday... We'd been, uh, West Brom were kicking off against Liverpool at lunchtime. So I met my mates in the pub as usual. I had, I mean, it was in the morning, which is unusual simply because, you know, there's not that many lunchtime kickoffs. But, you know, I had four pints of Guinness before the game, which is on the high side, but by no means unheard of. And then after the game, I didn't drink anything. I think I went back to my mate's house had a cup of tea and then got the train back to London, where it was my friend's 40th birthday, somewhere in the East End. And there I had a couple, it was a hot day, I had a couple of pints of lager, and then I had you know, an obligatory glass of sort of champagne or whatever. And then, you know, drank, you know, at least, you know, getting on for a bottle of wine, more than half, two-thirds of a bottle of wine. And then I had a pint of lager later later that night, when we went to some club I didn't want to go to and should have been a, you know... Have been <laughs> we'll get on to, we'll we'll get on to how like much
1: it. of this is about our age, Adrian. No, <laughs> but
2: yeah, but I didn't feel... I didn't, it didn't feel like a big drinking day to me. No. You know, I was exactly. never drunk. It was just like a normal Saturday. Anyway, the following morning, they came round my flat to where I'm sitting now, pointed a camera at me while I worked it all out, and I think it got to 36 units. Right. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's absolutely stark staring mad. <laughs> You know, I thought, hang on a minute, if I, I mean, that's one night. And then I, you know, I got to working out. I was drinking a 100 units a week. Right. Mm. Okay. That's, Easily. A lot. that's a lot. Well, it's a lot. But if you think, say, I've got a mate, a mate of mine, I meet him or somebody else most nights, drink, blameless drink, maybe a couple of pints after work. Mm. Some nights, maybe stay for an extra glass of wine or something. Some nights, it might go on all evening. But, you know, so, you know, there you have, you know, there you have. Uh, you know, you got twenty odd yeah, units yeah.
1: Hmm.
2: for the week straight off the bat. Yeah. Now you throw in a long lunch, a couple of proper nights out, out
1: hmm.
2: maybe Sunday be launch.
1: Hmm.
2: You know, you're very quickly up to a hundred. You hmm. know, hundred units. You know, and now it's gone. You know, it's between sort of twenty and between twenty and thirty.
1: Right. Okay. Well, that's a marked difference. So you have actually that's evidence that yeah. this project is. Is working. In but what, that I, what I liked about,
0: from someone who probably regularly, well, definitely regularly exceeds his uh, fourteen units a week and some, I liked the idea of um, what Tom and I were discussing. It was like a decluttering of your drinking. Mm-hmm. We saw. I thought of it analogy. You know, when you go through your wardrobe, yeah. and you think, uh, yeah, Well, I don't. Good. I don't actually wear that. I've never worn that, and I don't. But I don't. I just yeah. don't need it here. And if you do the same with your drinking, which is what I really—you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You there is this idea in a book that it isn't black and white, and that moderation is something one can achieve. And as soon as you start taking out the drinks that you don't really need or don't enjoy as much, then it becomes a more manageable task. Mm-hmm. It's not it doesn't yeah. mean you're not because um, and you're maintaining. What you like about drinking? Um, which brings me on to the question: what What is it that you like about drinking?
2: Um, <laughs> right, it's a big question. I mean, wh- I mean, just unpack a couple of things. Sorry, yeah, whenever I'm interviewing mean somebody, I hate it when they start saying, so, "Well, let me take that one bit at a time," right? But <laughs> on, it's a very long question, and um, well, firstly, I think an important point. Just so I just don't forget it, is that. Just because you can't get down to 14 units, Mm. right, doesn't mean you shouldn't try and reduce your drinking a bit. Mm. So a lot of drinkers like me, 50, 60, 100 units a week, would look at 14 units I can't get there. It's all a nonsense. I'm just not going to bother. They're going to know what they're talking about. Where the message should be, look, if you can cut down from 50 to 40, you are relatively doing yourself more good than cutting from 20 to 10. Hmm.
0: Because
2: that's how the sort of the graph, the harm curve works. Yeah. If you see what I mean. So, you know, you, so, you know, to marginal gains are, uh, you know, are available. In terms of decluttering, It was just, I I, I had this idea in my head on the back of an envelope. I worked out that if you lined up all the drinks I've drunk in my life in like the 40-odd years since I was 15 or whatever, that, you know, they'd probably be three miles long. Mm, I
1: thought that was brilliant. That was a brilliant way to just picture that in the head. And then I thought, well,
2: that's too many. But for me, it was more, if I was walking along that line of drinks thinking how many of these did I actually want, need or enjoy, you know, it's only about a third. Most of them was just drinking for the sake of drinking. Mm. You know, so you know, so you know, drinking because I was bored, drinking because I was out late, drinking, you know, just because I was drinking, you know, I don't know. <laughs> drinking because it was what I did, drinking because yeah. I was half a bottle of wine left, drinking yeah. because with your mates and that's what you always did. Yeah. I mean, drinking because it was a weeknight and the pubs don't shut till eleven and it was only nine o'clock. So Keep Why drinking. go home early? Drink yeah. because it's available. Drink a song presses it in your hand, you know. Just and you know it becomes it becomes sort of meanless. It's mindless drinking, not in the sense of you know standing in your pants with a traffic cone on your head. <laughs> no. three, you know it's it's just mindless. Yeah, it's mindless in the in the sense that it's pointless. And so, in terms of what I like about drinking, I mean, it's simplest. It's the feeling the first drink gives you. The first drink achieves a change in emotional state, Mm. and that's nice. Mm. Then maybe the second one as well. But all subsequent drinks are a a futile attempt to recreate the feeling that the first drink gave you.
1: Yeah, well, this, 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 a bit, this is at the nub of a lot of our discussions. Uh, last night, I did Sunday Sunday pints with my friend Seamus down our local, yeah. the Carpenters Arms, and we went to watch the football. And um, I was going to have a glass of wine. I was talking to Ben about this before. I was going to have a glass of wine while I cooked the Sunday roast for the family. And I didn't because I knew I was going out for a few beers. So I managed yeah. to moderate in that respect. But when it came to the moment that I was allowed to leave the house and my wife had to put the kids to bed, five to seven, I actually ran to the pub, and I ran yeah. with so much glee. And it was yeah. about the football, not missing the kickoff, but it was also about that first pint. And I don't I, – I really – that that part of your book really resonates, that first, capturing that feeling in that yeah. first pint. And I think it's but a mine. trigger that goes yeah. back to when I was 16 or 17. Um, and, and, and you talk about that as well. There's the sort of youth and how we – how we grew up. I grew up in a very similar situation to you and to Ben. You know, the pub, getting into the pub, getting served that first pint um, illegally, uh, was a yeah. was a thrill, and that, and that all seems to be part of the trigger of. At the age of forty five, I'm sitting in the pub on a yeah. Sunday, and I still
2: get that. Um, that. That is look. That that's part of it. That's a big important part of it. I think it's also, you know, if you've got to remember physiologically what's going on. Mm. Is that you know when you first take alcohol, it's genuinely it's aversive, the taste. Mm. Nobody likes their first swig of beer. Cider, alcopops might be different, but Mm. and then soon you start to like it because you associate it with the good feeling it's going to give you. Mm. This is how it's been explained to me by sort of you know the. um Professor David Knott.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: he's a drinker and I, I think he understands this and explains it better than anybody. Um, so so when you so the feeling as I understand it actually technically that it gives you what it's that first drink is giving you, say last night when you went to the pub, is actually because you're in withdrawal from it. Right. That's worrying and then, I don't like that. And then it gives you that Oh Adrian, thanks for that. <laughs> <I don't laughs> don't look, 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 as long as it's in control.
0: Yeah. Mm.
2: It's yeah. While suboptimal it's fine. Yeah. It's only the same as coffee. Mm. If anything, the effect of my first coffee on me in the morning, <laughs> the first strong coffee, seriously, yeah. is more is absolutely, is hundred percent more more um, profound mm. than the effect of than the effect of the first drink alcoholic drinks out of an evening the first coffee is transformational but that's mm. because I've been in withdrawal all night yeah and then the caffeine sort of slakes that you know slakes that addiction mm. so it's for this reason that if you if somebody had made that unbeknown to you had put in a put alcohol free beer in your first pint yeah. without you noticing you, you would still get that feeling yeah it's not because alcohol is a complete con, although there's a lot of conning going on. It's just yeah. because you are associating the, the feeling that you're going to get. Yeah. You know, you're feeling good in, in, in anticipation of the, the endorphins. The yeah, the endorphins feel, are being yeah.
1: generated, not by the actual yeah. alcohol, but well, that, by the by yeah. the moment. Well, that was,
0: um, again, that was a, the Lee Mack point, wasn't it? The comedian Lee Mack yeah. said that if you replace those first two drinks uh, with something cold, refreshing and... Fizzy or something that yeah. replicates the alcoholic drink, um, then that that's half the that's half the battle in, in some ways. And one yeah. one of the things people don't talk about is thirst and hunger. I mean, I get to six o'clock after seven o'clock after I put the kids to bed. I'm I'm thirsty, and or, yeah,
2: and I, and you know I
0: quench my yeah. thirst with with booze uh,
1: because it's you know a what? reward. I,
2: I've got to stop you there. Hot, not off the presses because it, it's not in the book. It's only I've come across this realization two weeks ago. Actually, I read somewhere. That you should be drinking three point. A man should be drinking three point seven liters of water.
0: Mm.
2: You know, so if you put, if you Google that, then mm. the Mayo Clinic, and whoever mm. else, will say that's you know optimally that's what you've been drinking should be drinking. So you know I've always rated my bladder control. Yeah, a, a lot, lot of people, people say that. That. You people know, say not that. for me rushing to the toilet every ten minutes or stopping at every other motorway services because I need a slash. I rated myself. I was in sheer hubris, you know, because i made a strenuous effort, and it was a strenuous effort to get the three point seven liters down, mate. I was never out of the bloody toilet. I oh, know, <laughs> I know, it's, I know. it's, like, well, it's I know a how constant. Do it. <laughs> I mean, you've got to literally plan. You think, hang on, I'm in for the next hour. I better get them down now because yeah. I can go for a fast before I leave. When we but tour, yeah.
1: we don't drink water in the van if we're on a three hour because we know it's just we're going to have to stop at service stations yeah. every
2: five well, minutes. The interesting thing, though, having been out in the evenings, I'm not drinking half as much because I'm fully hydrated. Yeah. So I thought, all this book I've written, everything, it's the reason I've been drinking so much for all these years that I'm just bloody thirsty. <laughs> 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 this is it. Well, this is it's, it's at the beginning of the book. It just says, oh,
0: and I like beer because I was thirsty. And there is an element of that. And eating before, it's about just... There's little, there's wonderful little tips that come from various sources in the book. So you've got yeah. Lee Mack, you've got John Robbins, ways of 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 reaching, making this moderation easier. And yeah. it is, on paper, like all things, like, uh, quite easy to get to get your units down and to declutter, yeah. like declutter your drinking. And what would um, what works for you uh, in terms of this? What what were the things you found helpful in getting down?
2: Getting those it's units no, down. It's no one thing. No, it's lots of no different. Thing. different things work at different times. What is critical for me, I think, is is counting the units just mm. slavishly, doggedly, mm. just mm. writing down. You know, through an app I use, drink less, but yeah. just writing down what's there. Then you can at least assess. you know where you are with it. Then you know just just looking at the. Um, you know, you look what you drunk the previous day, and you think, hang on, five pints of Guinness was that entirely necessary?" You know, <laughs> yeah, you know I know,
0: I know, I know.
2: Maybe I know. if I just, you know, just for three, maybe, mm. but uh, you know, I, you know, would have done me. Yeah, but sure. on the, you know, on the, um, on the addiction thing, I mean, I write in the book about this uh, retreat my wife dragged me on to, where for the week you did without. For a week, strictly. I mean, you got thrown off if you were caught with alcohol. Thrown off the camp if you were caught with any alcohol. There was no drinking, no caffeine, no sugar, no gluten. Um, And I mean, of those four, Mm. the one that gave me all the trouble was was coffee.
1: Really, really. Really
2: Throbbing head, everybody said the same thing. Wow. Heads, really yeah. throbbing. I, did, I got some headaches, but it was more about, I just couldn't keep awake. Mm. I mean, literally, if I wasn't bloody exercising, i just lay down on the floor and went to sleep. It was incredible. <laughs> bloody hell. <laughs> so actually, I, I, as I said, I'm probably more, more sort of physiologically addicted to caffeine. And again, that needs monitoring. You know, I don't drink it after midday
0: yeah.
2: because I'm be giving myself problems.
0: And look at all but, these high street hawkers of this terrible drug. They're everywhere. Yeah. These, uh, every yeah. corner
1: in every community.
2: A but again, shop. it's one of my problems. I've said in the book, I still, you know, I'm still not conditioned to, to know what to do with people if they don't drink. You know, mm-hmm. as a kid, I didn't know what to do with teenagers, you know, children of my parents' friends who came along who we weren't interested in drinking. I didn't know what to do with them. To this day, you know, if I said... You know, I live in West London, if, if you mm. call me. Or let's say not you, because I sort of know you a bit. But say, somebody I met through work said, oh, I'm passing on West London on Tuesday evening. Uh, do you want to meet up? I mean, where, where do you meet, if not the pub?
1: Well, I think this is a really... Because we, we're we touring at the moment with a show all over the country. So we... Yeah. One of our big rewards after a show is to be able to try and make it to a, a pub for a pint. Yeah. Uh, and that, that kind of forms the entire success of an evening really and when we have to drive back home um after the gig we feel cheated because we've got to drive yeah. home. we can't have a drink um but while we were out we we before a show a few weeks ago we saw two lads and they'd met for a for a coffee in a costa and they were having a chat and you could see that was their social experience was in a pub and i just said to ben i don't think i've ever Done that. I don't think I've ever suggested to a mate who I haven't seen for a while, let's meet up, let's go for a coffee. It's always. But well, I have well, well, yeah, in the morning. Well, yeah, yes. Get me wrong, but after
2: work, we'd never do it. But either, you wouldn't have a, you of wouldn't segmental. have ten coffees, would you? <laughs> no. uh, and no. then no, you can't do it. I mean, if no. you can't do it. You'd be no. up. You'd be up all night. I thought you could drink decaf. But
1: what? Was but the... it's more that the the pub is so, such an important yeah. part of our social
2: lives that removing that and that pint. Not all of us. I mean, no. half of adults mm. never going to a pub or a club. So mm. again, you know, we we be careful of sort mm. of
0: yeah, sweeping generalizations. Everybody you know. in our <laughs>
2: category. but yes, it is. But what I found really interesting, boring. and I love, I love pubs, I love places yeah. to sit and talk. You know, not too quiet, certainly not too busy. You know, I just, uh, you know, mm. I just like those environments. I mean, the other thing you can say to somebody, "Mate, let's go for a walk." But well, he, he sort yeah, of, and. I, I'd prefer that actually. Often I would prefer that. But, I just like walking, talking. But I can't. If something I don't know, you look a bit odd, wouldn't it? <laughs> no,
0: but what I liked about that as a suggestion was because um, when you when you go for a walk with 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 a mate or your dad or whatever, you you do find yourself going. Your conversation goes a bit deeper and a bit more. Uh, it goes, yeah, it gets to a deeper level than it. It would if you were sat opposite each other in a Starbucks in the same way that a pub does. I mean, I find as I've got older, making new mates is harder because we don't have that shared, I haven't got time, I've got kids, I haven't got that time to go and 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 drink enough to get through that initial barrier. And I think that's a particularly British thing, maybe. The stiff upper lip, I don't know if that's a cliche, potentially it, it is, but that feeling of... We're quite a reserved nation, and we need alcohol to relax us, and the pub is the place to do it and you get to know someone you you reveal some something about yourself they do the same and then you've got
2: then you've got a yeah, common um, bond. but it, but just going back to going for a walk, one of the reasons it was explained to me that walking is good, and you mentioned walking with your parents or children or whatever is that in the same way i had a talk from a psychologist about raising Children raising teenage girls specifically, and it was about and said, Don't you know, don't begrudge the time you spend with them in a car because that's the most quality time you'll get with them. Mm. And part is, and you know, I really took that on board, and I've, I've really found that's pressure. And part of the reason that works is as we're walking, you're not facing each other, so somehow it's kind of easier to share, there's less pressure on it mm. when you're both looking in another direction. Mm. You see what I mean. So I think something I you can achieve the same thing by sitting next to each other in a pub, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> rather than you know across the table. But I just I, th- I thought that was uh, you know yeah that's and, and interesting.
1: And it, I want to I want to go back to the units just quickly because I think um, not not to be critical of anything you've you've written yep. in the book, Adrian. No, but no go ahead. You, it's just that you started off saying that the units is really simple, but by okay. the time you got to the middle of your explanation of what the units yep. were, I was I was. I was, and it is easier to switch off if you enjoy a yeah. drink. And I and I totally take the point that uh, people hide behind that the complexity yeah. of it, and it, it, it is in essence quite simple. But do you not think there's, and this is probably a wider question about the industry's responsibility to, to communicate more about how much yeah. we should drink? Do you not think that in all of this, you found a simpler way, just to say, rather than the maths of it, just the the logic of. Having one drink a day, or is, it, yeah, is there yeah. is there another way to try and reach people
2: on that? I suppose what you're always up against is like what you know what what constitutes one drink. It's like what constitutes moderation. Mm. Mm. You know, a bottle of wine a day is moderate to, to some drinkers. I think I'm the, I slightly regret writing that chapter, and right? I I'm going to do the paperback. I might just I won't drop it, but I'll just put in like to do basically what I do. And it just you can really just make it simple, and not and not be a stickler for actual accuracy because you're better doing it inaccurately as long as you're recording every drink, than accurately. So you know a pint call a pint of beer too. Mm. Wine is a problem because no one knows what is mm. a standard measure of wine, but a standard measure of wine is probably. I mean, it depends how strong the way – you know, you'd probably call that a unit and a half or Mm. two. That's complicated. And then a shot is one unit. Mm. Right. And just pop them up like that. Yeah. As far as the industry's concerned, it should say units on beer pumps. Yeah, I did find that strange. strange it doesn't. And it should say calories on there as well.
1: Mm. Yeah. Because we've been in the industry for more than 20 years, Ben. Yeah. Um, And so we've watched – from before responsible drinking was even a thing, we've seen that come in. Um, and there has been effort from the industry, but we, as, as people who work in that industry, do see as well that there's perhaps not enough. I mean, what's your perspective of the drinks industry from the outside? Do you feel that? Do you think that they've done enough or are there things they could be doing better? Um, I think they, you know,
2: I would even allow for a certain amount of, you know, disingenuous, disingenuousness or hypocrisy or mendacity, whatever you want to call it, on behalf of the drink industry. The, you know, it's a battle. They need to shift product. Mm. Right. So it kind of, you know, I, you know I, I get that. Um But, you know, there's an awful truth, which they kind of won't admit that their profits are, you know, all in the you know, mostly in the in the category of drinker that I was, which is just drinking. You know, somewhere you know between fourteen and a hundred units a week. That's where the profits are. Mm. If everybody conform to the fourteen units guidelines, they'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it's always it, it's always going to be a battle, but I think. At the heart of it, I said whether you know the libertarian. Even with the libertarians, like Chris Snowden from the Institute of Economic Affairs, said to me once. I mean, the one bit, but we you agree with, agree on a lot about drinking. One thing he does agree on is labelling. You know, as a libertarian, you give people the information mm. and allow them to make their own decision. Now he's critical for whatever reasons he does. He thinks the 14 units thing is a load of bollocks. Right. But you know, he does agree that you should, you know, everything should be clearly labelled. Well,
0: that means it's a I decision
2: mean, calories, it, yeah. by law. Calories have to, on the if you get a pint and you get a bag of crisps with it,
1: mm.
2: it has to say on the crisps yeah. how yeah. many calories yeah. in them. With uh, with beer, it doesn't.
0: No, it's
2: incredible. With alcohol-free beer, even more incredibly, you do have to put the calories on. Mm. What's
1: yeah. that all about? Yeah, it's a it's a weird logic.
2: Well, oh.
0: we we wrote a book about American beer, and in some uh, sort of the craft beer revolution over there, and it's, it's astounding. Uh, in some states, they don't put the strength of the beer on the pump. Yeah. The, the the reason being that they they think people will then choose the beer on strength alone, and nothing on and and nothing else. And they they yeah. want to take. And I mean, which is. Is ludicrous because you're 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 taking the responsibility of the individual away to monitor their alcohol intake. Um, I mean, it's it's and and that and I think that attitude sort of pervades uh, some aspects of the drinks industry over here. I think if you if you're very clear about what alcohol does and and you know the, 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 there are some benefits, uh, but there are yeah. are dangers and and people make their decisions based on that. I mean, I think the other. Thing that came across, uh, just go back to that British thing. I think we're one of the few nations where being drunk, being inebriated, is still seen as a slight, a slight badge of honour. And, ha- and a hangover. And it? a hangover. And you, I went to university in France. Get me, um, but uh, in France, other students used to watch all the Brits get, you know, hammered. And then the next morning, we're all feeling awful, and they they just go, "Well, why did you do it?" And they just didn't. It's just they just don't get. They didn't get it. And and at the time, I just thought, "Well, well you'll understand soon." And and now I look back and think, no, they
1: probably they were probably right. But mm. um, well, I mean, I went to university in America. Get me, um, <laughs> and they didn't have that perspective. They did. They did go hard at it with kegger parties and all the rest of it. And it was still, I think, part of their culture was at that age. But I think that comes down to youth as well, doesn't it, Adrian? In terms of, yeah. what, we're chasing, a lot of what we're chasing, what we're
2: chasing, grow out of. Mm. Mm. I think I don't. Again, I don't. You know, a third of all sort of Generation Zs so aren't teetotal, apparently. Mm. No, no. but I'm thinking that was probably always higher than we thought it was. Going back to the you know social norming and drinkers like us thinking, thinking mm. everybody was at it. And you do tend to surround yourselves with drinkers like yourself. Mm. You know, when I went to university clean slate, let's say I made thirty friends by some strange coincidence, <laughs> they're all big drinkers. Yeah. You, know.
0: so you were just unlucky. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. You know, it, be unlucky. Have you was, managed
1: yeah. to but have you managed to remove that badge of honour from your psychology when it comes to drinking? Is that something yeah, yeah. yeah? okay. Yeah, that, yeah. Is that something that was hard Although,
2: to do or no, no, because One of the advantages I've got, it was never about that kind of drinking for me. I mean, as a psychologist who's really good, who I talked to in the book, when I was, you know, giving her my spiel about, which I kind of got from her anyway, but about the the first drink being the most important one and every other one being futile. She said, yeah, but what if you're drinking for oblivion? Right,
1: yeah. In which case, there's something else going on there,
2: and I'm not really qualified to talk about that because, I mean, moderation – it's good for a lot of things, but oblivion isn't one of them.
0: Mm.
2: I think. I think that's so if you are drinking for oblivion, then I don't know what suggests. I mean, yeah, I think you know, that's a different. Say, right, I'll yeah. go for oblivion one night a week or yeah. two nights a week, and well, not drink I, the rest of the time.
0: No, I think, you make that very clear in the book that if 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 you have, if you find it incredibly difficult to stop drinking, and you often find yourself drinking to oblivion, then this book isn't probably for you and you need to explore other avenues um but just to go back to that to the youth thing i I try to sort of draw an analogy and i don't know quite whether it works um with the the first drink of your your evening a bit like the first drinking during your youth because in your youth you you, um you set up that social structure with drink at the center of it but as you get older it's it's no longer f- fit for purpose, really, because fa- firstly you can't physically do the drinking you did when you're younger, but but also that feeling of freedom, that feeling of anything can happen this evening if I have a, if I have a couple of pints, isn't a public sighting. As you get older, you realise you realise that, that actually. The chance, the percentages, uh, the odds of something really exciting happening and it improving your life when you're when you're 40 is is pretty they're they're pretty low they're pretty slim. Um, whereas and and you're not rolling the dice of adventure really as you get older. But because it's been ingrained in you that you have six pints when you were younger. I mean that feeling when you're young and you're
2: drinking and it's 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 amazing. Um, yeah, I think some people don't grow out of that though, and mm. some people do. I think, I think drinking FOMO is a really interesting one. Yes. Because, I mean, during lockdown, I, didn't, I, I drank a lot less, partly because I'm all about pubs.
0: Hmm.
2: I like going to pubs. So I don't hmm. really want to sit and drink at home. It's got a, you know, even if I'm not talking to anyone at the pub, it's got some sort of social component. So mm. romantic. You, I wouldn't say romantic exactly <laughs> but, uh, but yes I know I know what you're getting at there um, but also because the feeling if no one else is drinking then why, not, you know, why would I want to drink like, when at that, that um, health camp retreat I went on hmm. now if you know I'd gone to bed at night thinking oh the bar's still open and there'll be that nice bloke I met the other day and whatnot still in hmm. there enjoying the drink I'd have drinking phone but knowing no one else was drinking hmm. You know, it, it wouldn't bother me. Mm.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah, I used to say you need drink to enjoy yourself. You need, look when Saudi Arabia beat Argentina the other day, we going absolutely ballistic. Yeah,
0: yeah. I know. I know and, you know,
2: but... oh, so, oh, they're not enjoying themselves. But, yeah, they've just had... Oh, they could have a drink. Now, what if England get to the final at the World Cup? There'll be fans there who habitually drink at games. Mm. will get to the final having not really had a drink to the old tournament. They'll watch Harry Kane lift the World Cup. You know, as they file away, are they going to say, oh, if
1: only we'd been able to drink, that would have been so much better. Yeah, yeah, of I, I, yeah I know. That's, that's why I want to go to St. Albans City with my kids is because they've got a, a pub and you can actually, you can actually <laughs> yeah. drink while you watch yeah. the football. And I found that was what the extraordinary thing of Wembley when I watched Watford in the semi-final there and yeah. we had a pint in the, in the bar and then you couldn't carry that pint through to the mm. seating. And you had this situation with lads just sculling an entire pint... In, in yeah. seconds, because they couldn't take it. I, th- I think those. I take that point, and it has become an inherent enjoyment yeah. of the sporting moment to have a beer in my hand, and that's just something that's happened over over twenty five oh, years.
2: Madness. I was talking to. I was talking to I all put Neville Southall. You know, yeah. yeah. one of the people. I was working with him the other day, and he's never touched a drop. <laughs> and he, you know, I was saying, you know, and he he was in a. He was goalkeeper in a big drinking Everton side. Mm. You know, um disorderly, And I said, so what? Um, I said, so what was that? I said, I just I don't remember looking, I was just thinking it was madness. You know, we'd, we'd play somewhere and they'd be running around desperately trying to drink as much as they could before they got on the coach and all that. <laughs> what, what is this lunacy? You know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, but you do still drink. And I want to to talk about the good things as well, but I think one of the most disappointing elements of what you're saying there is that the reason that I enjoy that first pint or any pint is because it's a psychological trigger to something. But surely, I mean, Ben and I actually quite enjoy the flavours of drink. And we're lucky in that we taste a lot of different drinks uh, for professional reasons. So we have at times been called upon to say, this is a good drink and this is a bad drink. And as a part of that process, you do develop a palate for it and you do, and a nose for it. And you do enjoy it. I mean, I assume you subscribe to that, that there are drinks you still have because you like the flavours. Absolutely. I
2: think it's really important to, I mean, drinking less is more. I keep saying less is more. You get a better effect out of it if you drink less of it. Mm. And then part of that, a really valuable thing, is well, partly, he's been able to understand why. I think twenty million people drink wine every week in this country. I reckon nineteen million just haven't got a clue what they're drinking. Yeah, <laughs> so I well, mean, And I'm not being a snob here, but I was certainly one of them until I met you know that rare thing, a wine expert who spoke in language I could understand. You know. You know, yeah. what's the difference between a Chardonnay and a Sauvignon and you know what are you looking for? And that and and think, well, I like that. What am I liking in that particular wine? So you understand more about wine so you can savour it. Mm. Yeah. So you can savour it more. Um, I think that's yeah, I think that's really I mean that that's certainly worked for me. So sort of knowing what you like, maybe spending a bit more. Yeah. That's yeah. a bit more. I mean I think, you know, I mean the issue with wine is well there's two things one nobody knows what a measure is, but also you know the standard bottles you know yeah. it's just it's always there begging to be finished and particularly if it's a better quality wine you think well you know it's probably only got a day or two mm. in the fridge, so we
0: need to finish i mean it's mad I know mm-hmm. no, that is that is and I'm sure that's not not a coincidence either but mm-hmm. but I just say so this idea that that the appreciation knowledge of. Of what you're drinking will perhaps reduce your your consumption but what so I what think, I mean, you, will, yeah. I you think talked it, about yeah. um you talked about Batham's bitter yeah
2: um
0: is that amongst your I mean in terms of what you if you had your three desert island dr- drinks Guinness seems to Guinness comes up quite a lot on the uh in, yeah. in the book is that one of your go-to or what would, you, yeah. what would your three desert island drinks be Um, Bear in mind, it doesn't have to be a desert
1: island, because that... Well, no, what about about your (laughs) favourite pub? Tell us about your favourite pub and the three drinks. Let's finish on a positive, Adrian. Let's talk about Uh, your favourite pub in the
2: world. um... I've got a lot of favourites. My (laughs) favourite one is one in West London, just right near me. And it's sort of quite a leafy area, but there's a proper Irish pub... um, Called Connelly's there, and I just love it in that. I'm happier in there than anything else. I went in there with a couple of Irish friends of mine, one from Tipperary and one from West Belfast, and they both said, Look, this is more Irish, anything I've come about come across in <laughs> <an> Ireland. <laughs> but you know, it's you know, it's got a lot of things I don't like in the sense. It's mostly blokes, mostly old blokes. Um <laughs> but I'll just sit there and just a pint in the evening, a pint or two, maybe. Oh god, I just I just I just I just love it in
1: there. Mostly yeah. old blokes. I was drinking in a yeah. pub last night in the Carpenters, and that's mostly old blokes, but I realise now I am one of those old blokes yeah, yeah, really. That, so that we're we're we're, we're part of that scene now, agents, suppose, so just you know, get so used what, to it.
0: They're
2: saying it about I, you as well. Yeah. You? I mean that's the thing. <laughs> I would have I'm gonna say one. Yeah, I'd have one cold Guinness, I think. That'd be my one of my drinks. The other one would be uh, a good French red, one of those Minervois, or say so any any really good French red. I only I prefer good French wine. I think I prefer French wine because I've realised it, it, it's just I prefer I like a bit more acid and a bit less sugar. Right. I just find find the I find New World wines a bit too sweet. So I'd probably go for a you, know, a, you know, a fine glass of any sort of French red, really. And um, what would I have? Oh, yeah, I know what I'd definitely have. For a spirit, I'd have, because um, my mum's Croatian, I'd have, you know, they've got all these brandies. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. You know yeah. I remember yeah. Reading, reading this bit in the book. Oh. A of Itza, which was like the famous one, it's just... Great brands like Grappa, yeah, yeah. Like my dad used to call it U-boat fuel. An interesting <laughs> <billion>. <laughs> you but have to get a good been, one, Adrian.
1: Yeah. They, they can be. Um, they can go the other way. Though. There's one
2: called. There's one called Travarica, which Trava means grass, and it's got. Um, it's it's like flavoured with various herbs, right? Um, and and that's nice It's kind of a, an occasionally off-putting urine colour. <laughs> But,
1: um, <laughs> not if you drink three liters of, of water. Top. Not if you drink three liters. But say when I'm there, I have
2: one of those with a bit of ice in it, with my coffee in the morning. So um, I wouldn't advocate that. But, um, <laughs> no. But yeah, those would be, be my three drinks. Fantastic.
0: Oh, nicely, chosen um, And I see you've not mentioned the fact you would have your beer. We've got
2: we've got a couple of your beers here, Adrian. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's I mean it's good enough. It's, it's, it's nice that I prefer of the alcohol-free ones. I'm a big mm. fan of alcohol-free beer. Mm. I prefer the the lagery-type ones. I find the the aley ones just a bit too hoppy. It's like yeah, I hot, it's got nothing. It's got. I don't know. I just I'm, I'm I'm not being that much of a real ale beer ball. They're a bit much for They're me. They're a bit much.
0: Yeah no mm. I'm um, well as as I mean we are uh, it, it, it modesty doesn't prevent us saying that we are the kind of people that do talk about flavors and beer and are okay. considered kind of experts and I think this is a really good one because there are yeah. some terrible ones out there but I do get your point that bit that sort of metallic bitterness is seems to be more enhanced when it comes without the alcohol but uh, mm. we re- I've I've well. Um, i had six of these in the fridge and they're all, apart from these ones, they're all gone.
2: Listen, um, um, the nice lads, the, the, it's the Birmingham Brewery Company, really nice lads. He just, living his dream, got some investment, started nice. this brewery and they, they, they made lots of nice stuff that you'd probably appreciate more than me, but, I'll, I'll send you the number. Do pop in and see. Yeah, yeah, we'll get them well, on. Too. We'll get them on a podcast. Um,
1: that's brilliant. Well, well, Adrian, your book is fantastic. We'd urge anyone who's listening to give it a go, especially if you think you're probably drinking too much at the moment, because you've got loads of great ideas on how to how to approach that. Um, and and people who are listening to this know we say drink less, drink better. So um, and it
0: is called The Good Drinker: How I Learned to Love Drinking Less. And regardless of your drinking. Whether you're 14 units a week or someone who does a bit more, it's, it's just a brilliant book mm. to give you um, little tips uh, for how to keep it or to keep drinking your life, but not make it this, the, the, the focal point. And
1: I, and I had the audio book, so I had the, the benefit of um, Adrian's dulcet, dulcet Brummy Tones oh, coming
2: down the. Uh, that was less painful to listen to than it was
1: to <laughs> yeah. report. well my mum's a big fan and she's she's well, uh, um, an well, Irish West Londoner so she'll she'll appreciate listening to you it me, it's quite
0: book. funny my wife listened to the audiobook as well and uh, she's notoriously bad with picking out accents and she listened to it she says I just love his voice and I was like yeah I love Scousers don't you this is on WhatsApp <laughs> and she said oh yeah I do too um, sorry i had a good one
2: so yesterday was, by the way often the, you know when people go come to and go i recognise you I mean the funniest one I ever was oh my god it's, it's Ray Charles well <laughs> wow, wow. Okay. No, unless you are Ray Charles <laughs> then, that, there's then no excuse for good that one yesterday. I, me and my wife were in a, in a kind of pub restaurant place we were staying in Sussex and a uh, bloke came up to us I go where do I know you from where do I know you from he goes did you, you used to drink with Dennis Waterman I <laughs> went <laughs> No. <laughs> no, I do Oh, that's a nice one. <laughs> oh, I was mean, just random as well. Like. Yeah, uh, like that it. is random. I wish I said yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, all
1: the time. Well, not anymore. there you go. Uh, it's called The Good Drinker. You are officially a thinking drinker, Adrian. Yeah, so thank, uh, you. thank you for, for joining us on, on the mate. pod. Um, good all luck right, with all it all. Well. And, um, and we'll see you in the pub at some point. Cheers.
2: Cheers. All Cheers. the best. See ya.
0: So there you are, Tom Adrian Charles. What a nice fella!
1: What a lovely fella! And he gave up a lot of his time for us to chat about his book, which was uh, it was really really interesting stuff. A bit a bit more serious, the topic matter, wasn't it, than our normal podcast? No, yeah, yeah, topic.
0: and it was. There was no knob gags at all, which was no. a bit of a departure. Um, um, but
1: um, I think that was pretty pretty important every now and then to just have a different perspective on people's drinking and um, and uh, think yeah. about
0: it, really. But it resonated with me because I probably, I think I, I probably do have unnecessary drinks when I need them, and I've tried to cut those out since reading the book, and it really helps. Um, although I watched the England Wales game last night with non-alcoholic beer, it was good non-alcoholic beer, but it, yeah, it just felt odd to do mm. that. Mm. So what we we going to do? Was we going to have four pints? What was not going to have two? So no, it made it made. I just think it's a very good thing to have in the back of your mind. Just go: "Uh, Do you need this? Do you really want it? That kind of thing. A bit like cake or biscuits or chocolate.
1: Anything you do, overindulge in. Don't overindulge. I think that's the broader message. Um, But
0: do don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Enjoy a drink. It's one of the last great pleasures, I think. Yeah. And he seems to have stru- struck a good balance there. So that's good.
1: Yeah, so there was lots of stuff in there we wanted to expand on a bit. We've talked about the industry there and we, we're we trying to change the industry a bit ourselves, aren't we, Ben? We're kind yeah, of one time. step at a time, Tom. One, step, one bike ride at a time, trying yes. to get them to get on board with our bike riding idea and be more active in your life so that you can deserve those drinks. That's another way to go at it. Um, and uh, yeah, my, my drinking behaviour isn't really isn't I don't feel like a hundred units a week at the moment so <laughs> we no
0: we've got we've got plenty of room to
1: expand <laughs> yeah. I don't think I really
0: he set the bar hasn't there hasn't he yeah
1: yeah he has it was very very it was a high bar so there's obviously it's, it, it doesn't apply to everyone um but like I say I think it was pretty good to get someone on there and talk about something different um and we can return to our pure old knob gags and uh and our two drinks recommendations next week plenty of time for Christmas can't we
0: absolutely absolutely i think we we can look forward to that it's quite good having someone else to talk to to be honest mate, no offense but it was nice to have a third party just uh <laughs> chipping in and we could get back and he he did a lot of the heavy lifting didn't he he did he,
1: did. he knows yeah. how to talk he's <laughs> professional he yeah. on radio and indeed television good well, I, miss, I
0: miss him on match of the day two i think he was good i really yeah. liked it
1: he's yeah. a good lad um so there we go. Right, what, are the, what other what the news is there? Well, I mean, uh, we have been drinking this week. We didn't talk about that at the beginning of the show, but we've been drinking at the Royal Television Society Awards, which we were nominated for. Many of our regular podcast listeners will know that. Sadly, we didn't win. Who well, won, won, Tom? We were beaten by that hamster fellow, the, the Richard,
0: uh, the... the Richard Hammond, who's um, mm. he's got he's got a goatee. I mean, it's it, unacceptable. I mean, he's he's I mean, a cool.
1: Man in his late years, isn't he? He's got yeah. Some, yeah, jewelry and that sort of thing. I yeah, mean, bam, yeah. bangles, more bangles, <laughs> bangles.
0: <laughs> bangles. I, I wouldn't have minded losing to Joe Lysip, but Hammond, uh, that was kicking yeah, the was, swingers. But we had a good night, it was fun, drank some yeah, coffee, really red good
1: wine. Yeah, um, Blind and Tiger crew. They were all out out in force. We love those Blind guys. Blind
0: Tiger, massive.
1: Yeah, we love those guys. Um, And it was a nice night and we drank some champagne and we had some... Champagne. Uh, yeah champagne and um yeah i mean when we're looking at his episodes they cost one episode cost the same as our entire series i would have thought looking at the production (laughs) so it was quite a big surprise to even be up against him yeah Uh, um but having done that we did at one stage think we'd win so that was happening um uh but yeah it's it's but it's it's all getting ready for christmas now isn't it i'm just trying to think what on earth could i possibly buy for all my closest friends and family the people who i really, really love and i I remembered we've got a subscription club, haven't we? Oh, yeah, um, that's a great idea, Tom. Anyone who's run out of gift ideas for their beloved friends and family could buy, really, couldn't they? Well, what do you get for
0: the very reasonable price of £120, annual membership?
1: £120, you get uh, three drinks sent through your doorstep every month. Through your doorstep? Through your doorstep, yeah. It goes concrete. It's amazing. (laughs) amazing piece of hardware through your letterbox or onto your doorstep Um, for 60 mil measures three three 360 mil measures of discerning drinks some spectacular spirits which you can sip alone or join us every month on a virtual tasting where we'll talk you through them and you can enjoy them with us and learn something about those drinks Uh, is i don't i don't really well it's not
0: i think you're doing a disservice there tom because that's not all you get is, as, if that that is, as, as if that isn't enough, Tom. Not only do you get the three world class premium spirits sent through your door every single month, not your doorstep, your door, you get the tasting online tasting exclusive invite, but you also get exclusive access to a very witty and informative Analyze Me online magazine. And not only that, all new members, all new subscribers get a copy of our Thinking Drinkers Almanac book. Oh. It was named Drinks Book of the Year by the Sunday Times and the Times 2021. It was a bit last year, but the beauty of the Almanac is it doesn't date because mm. every day is dedicated to a different drink. So you yeah. get all that. And I think, Tom, that what Sweet Baby Juices would have wanted at this time on his birthday is for people not to buy each other Tat that's going to ruin the planet. What, he didn't. experience. really want.
1: He didn't want gold. Frankincense, he didn't, he some if he was going to get three things delivered to him in the manger, it was three sixty mil measures it's of spirits in a straight, cardboard box. Yeah, straight through the doorstep of the stable. Through his doorstep. Yeah, <laughs> he. Was, well, he could have. If anyone could have made something go through a doorstep, it was Jesus. It's one he of his the...
0: lesser-known tricks. <laughs> So um if you're gonna buy anyone anything this Christmas, don't get them stuff, get them experiences. We can't take stuff with us uh, and we can kind of take experiences with us in a sort of in a way. Anyway, get that and then if you and 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 also uh, we've got some shows in the new year without perf again, Buy wait, them a ticket, buy yourself a shows, ticket. Wait, Ooh, you don't even have to go show. to the shops for this. So the shows are coming up. The shows are coming up. Yeah. I'll tell you where we're going to be, Tom. Oh, on the no, 3rd of February, it's yeah. Nottingham. On the 9th of February, we're at London's Leicester Square Theatre in uh, London's Glittering West End. Uh, that's that's uh, that's on the 9th of February. Then we're in Harpenden, your local. Harpenden Massive yeah. Unite. Mobilise, get your tickets on the twenty fifth of February, and then we're up north: North Allerton, Alnwick, Pendle, Oldham. Now we're down south. We're doing Brighton, and then we're in the middle, Bedford. Then we're sort of west, Reading and Didcot, and then we're Stroud. I don't know where that is exactly. And then we're in Leicester and Corby. We end up fittingly at the home of the trouser fitting, press.
1: Trouser pressing, pr- trousers. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a long old slap and trapes around this bloody country but But guess what we are looking forward to it we love it because when we do we get to meet all these lovely people who come to our show and enjoy five free drinks as part of our comedic theatrical experience that really is very unique because no one else thought about ever trying to do this (laughs) (laughs) nor will they ever once they see us have a go at it Uh, No, there are some really good ones there. London Leicester Square is is a big old place, so please do come along and see us. That's always a good night. And Harpenden is my hometown, um, so, yeah, come along, please, because it'll be more embarrassing there. Well,
0: you're going to be be able to hold your head high in Nero's if it's a low audience. So come on, people, buy these tickets, buy these subscriptions.
1: We have a mortgage and kids come on so thanks again to Adrian Uh, really really great to have him on there we'll have more guests in the future if you're new to our podcast it's not always like that next week we'll be returning to two suggestions that fit into two spurious reasons for that said week it it does include some knob gags along the way but it will be enlightening if you've not tuned in before but thanks for thanks for choosing our pod Ben we should say yeah thanks thanks for listening both guys and uh, we'll see you
0: next time cheers. cheers cheers (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.